The shower beer is the best beer for you, according to science. How do you keep shower water and suds and all that sort of thing out of your suds? Don't tell me, Matt. Oh, because it's okay because we're drinking out of a bottle or a can. Well, I'll just stop you there. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They have also been bringing you this. This is a Good Brews Week, and I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure to welcome back Matt Kierkegaard. Matt, welcome back. G'day, Matt. <laughs> G'day, Pete. Yes, uh, I'm back with uh, compressor noise in the background. Uh, the, the Brews News offices, where I sometimes record, are uh, fair to say full um, this week with uh, Megan joining us in Brisbane, Claire starting, and uh, Sam there. So... I'm recording from home and they've decided to do some sort of uh, loud construction work outside, so hopefully Joe can make that work. No, it's all good. Uh, and welcome back, Matt, also from um, sunny, was it sunny Auckland? Uh, it was a mixed bag, Auckland. Bit, bit of rain, bit of sun, bit of wind. Um, so you did, you did a, a, a beer and food, like a fine, fine food um, beer matching cruise, cruise, ocean cruise, ocean cruise. Yes, which I which I sometimes do. Uh, again, it's it's uh, unpaid. Um, some people have sort of said because oh, it's the the no, P&O off, cruise off line often a junket. Uh, well, or you know, sort of off promoting uh, CUB beers. Um, but no, I uh, do it. It's something I was invited to do a while ago. Um, I, I do get a free cabin um, on the on, on the boat. I don't get paid to do it, but it's just a really good opportunity, Prof. You know, we often talk about the um, craft beer bubble, um, but when you're travelling on the P&O cruise ships, um, you're, you know, it's, it's people who are sitting around the pool drinking Corona, and these days they can get Goose Island on the ship, um, and it's interesting to, you know, just sort of really step outside and, you know, always check your perceptions about how big and how accepted and how much demand there is for craft beer. So, yeah, it's, it's always fascinating. It's great to – it's always good to talk about beer and share your passion um, with of beer with other people. But it's also – I learn a lot um, from how much tastes are changing and whether they are changing. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It do, yeah, it does put into perspective just how much beer is loved. It doesn't need to be. Oh, I drink a different beer for every occasion. That's that's fine for a lot of the choir, I guess, that we're singing to. But there are a lot of people out there who just enjoy a beer, and they're more than happy to uh, be talked through something else or be shown how a different style of beer can match with food, which is different to a lawnmower beer <laughs> and that sort of thing. And but what? What's no, so funny about I, that? No, no, no. Cause, well, no, because because you're spot on. But I was you, just the way you described that, it made me think of um, a social media. Um, Thing that was shared this morning and not the one that we're going to come to later in the podcast um <laughs> but somebody uh shared uh, a clip of this is spinal tap um where they were talking about jazz and miles davis and the, the quote was something along the lines of you know miles davis he was a really good musician and all but he kept putting a thing in the end of his trumpet so it didn't sound like a trumpet anymore what's that about and it, it sort of uh, reminded me of you know trying to talk about you know a whole generation of people that grew up thinking that you know Forex or VB or Crown Lager were beer, and were people putting fruit in in beer. Or, <laughs> what's, what, what's with what, that? What, what's that about? Um, and, but but it happens, and you know that's yeah. So uh, sorry that that's what I was chuckling about. I was just thinking about Spinal Tap, which always makes me laugh. There you go. Uh, Matt, headlines, making headlines this week. For those, uh, we like to do this, for those who are perhaps a little bit uh, time poor 
and work busy and whatever it might be, but like to not necessarily sit through all of the full article, will pump the headlines at you. And probably the most prominent one this week was Southern Bay backtracks over inverted commas, tone-deaf social media blunder. The Melbourne area brewery posted a meme which included a message that has been described as a homophobic slur to its Facebook company page. Uh, Nick Warming, the director at Southern Bay Brewing, took responsibility for the post, saying that since a previous ABAC ruling in January, which came as a result of actions by an external company, he had taken over the company's social media himself. And he quoted, I want to stress that this is not the view of any staff member at Southern Bay. I made the post myself. It was a gross error. I'm truly sorry. I don't want them to take responsibility for something that was my fault. All I can stress is that it was a genuine mistake. I feel absolutely horrible about it. And I don't want to vilify any particular part of the community. And we're probably worth adding since uh, these notes were taken that he has resigned um, and uh, and also Southern Bay has taken down its uh, Facebook page. But uh, we, we, we might sort of uh, go into that a little bit deeper in the deep dive, do you think, Prof? I think so. Yeah. Uh, also making news this week, uh, Lion, Carlton, United Breweries and Diageo donate State of Origin ad time to Drinkwise. Yes. Um, the, last night with the State of Origin, they are donating a portion of their advertising time to Drinkwise to air its new campaign during the new uh, NRL State of Origin series, which started last night. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those stories, Prof, um, you know, good on them. There's equal measure of good on them and equal measure of a uh, little bit of cynicism. Um, and the cynicism is driven by, I've been seeing a lot of um, discussion in the you know the, the the drinks trade media, talking about how uh, alcohol consumption is uh, declining, and but consumers are going more to uh, occasion. So um, you know, drinking tends to be around an occasion, um, and so you might have noticed that uh, the seasonal advertising for alcohol around occasions um, peaks around those occasions, and uh, to to the point that. Uh, AB InBev, when they released their recent results, noted that Easter was out of the first quarter and that uh, dramatically impacted their profit results, such as the amount of alcohol that's consumed. So on one hand, when Lion, well, when, sorry, well, when the big breweries are making so much money out of a occasion um, <laughs> uh, and putting so much advertising into that occasion to get people to drink more, celebrating drink-wise as part of that occasion is both a good thing and a little bit cynical. Yeah, but perhaps a less cynical view of that might be to say, you know, because you and I in fairly recent podcasts have spoken about if we don't self-regulate, then somebody else will step in and do it for us. Mm-hmm. So is it a little bit of that, look, you know, yes, we, we sell a product that, that is an alcoholic beverage. We do suggest that you drink it responsibly. Yes. We, we always say that, but we're kind of obliged to. Here's we're going an extra step and actually paying, you know, actual cash money to do ads that suggest, you know, make sure you you, you drink responsibly. Oh, look, absolutely, and that's where, yeah, look, I, I am taking a, a slightly jaundiced, cynical view, um, putting it putting out of the case. And, you know, again, they don't have to do it, and um, they are doing it, so they're not made to do it, I guess, in, in, a, in a way that they probably don't want to do it. Yeah, and just before we move on to the next one, um, Michael Thorne, who's a big flog of the program, um, our <laughs> mate from, from FAIR, the uh, Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education uh, was shit canning beer last night and suggesting that we should ban home delivery of alcohol because it causes suicide. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, no. Yeah, he was on, he was on, on Melbourne radio um, trying to defend that position very, very poorly. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that's the thing for, for an organisation that's called the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. It's actually 
just the anti-alcohol um, organization. Um, it's to, it's to neo, neo-temperance, it, neo-prohibitionists. It, 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 it is. And as we'll probably come to in, in, in a later topic of discussion, you know, to some extent you, need, you do need people who are willing to argue the fringe of any argument to raise issues that aren't being raised in the comfortable middle. Um, but at the same time, they are just given a free ride by the media um, and just accepted as being this uh, you know, balanced, nonpartisan group when they actually have a very active agenda. Um, and, you know, they need to be, you know, their arguments need to be put to the same rigour as everybody else's argument because they came out recently and said the level of alcohol consumption is increasing when every other figure that I've seen from, you know, a huge number of nonpartisan groups suggested alcohol, including the ATO. Sales, ATO. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> IRI figures. Yeah. Um, that, Anecdotally. That, that alcohol consumption is declining. Um, so, yeah. I, so, yeah. Um, I didn't want to make this yeah. about um, no, fair, no, 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 I, 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 no. I, I, no, I, just, I just thought I'd bring that up because it was kind of – it just popped into my head because I was listening to it yesterday and um, my, my two daughters who were studying for exams were sitting at the kitchen table and just shaking their – dad's dad's yelling at the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> What they and don't I'm kind of, rem- I'm kind of reminded of yourself. Yeah, that's right. I'm kind of reminded of you know the uh, Eddie Murphy's drunk uncle at the um, at the barbecue, and so you know, um, lips that touch liquor shall never touch mine. Well, Michael Thorne, you can kiss my ass. I don't care. It's beautiful. Kiss my ass. Um, ABAC dismisses Carlton Zero ad complaint. Um, there was anonymous complaint. Well, uh, which was, was it anonymous? <laughs> was it anonymous? How anonymous was it? Michael Thorne, I'm looking at you. You can kiss my ass. Firstly, that an alcohol brand was being marketed as a light lunch drink. Uh, it also raised that Carlton Zero was being compared to soft drinks, stating it had fewer calories than an average soft drink and could be easily misinterpreted as a soft drink. If it's not alcoholic, isn't it a soft drink? Uh, yeah, well, it's, by anyway. definition, it's soft, yes. Yeah. Um, ABAC, ABAC found that the Carlton Zero ad was not in breach of the code, saying that the ad did not strongly appeal to minors or make any claims as to the product offering a therapeutic benefit. And we probably don't need to deep dive into this one, Prof, because we no, did talk it. about it in a previous one. Um, but just, yeah, closure to it. ABAC that, that did the dismiss the yeah. complaint. Yeah. yeah. Out. Next. Um, more than half of the top 50 Brewers Association-defined craft brewing companies didn't grow in 2018. Discuss. Uh, yeah, th- th- this is an interesting one, and it probably could be a deep dive. Except we have been covering this whole issue, um, you know, with uh, you know, we we follow oh. the American trends. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting that this week, the uh, and th- this is Brewbound that we've linked to. More than half of the 50 brewers associations, and it's interesting to see um, beer volumes at three of the top five breweries: uh, Yingling, uh, Boston Beer Company, and New Belgium um, fell uh, minus two, minus seven, and minus eleven percent. Um, respectively, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, uh, after seven after consecutive years of seven percent declines, they returned to growth. But the other interesting one was Dogfish Head stayed even. So you've got Boston Beer Company going off seven percent, and seven percent for Boston Beer Company is a big fall. It's a big um, number. Big number. Um, when, you, when you look at it in terms of dollars. Yeah. So uh, Dogfish Head. So and we might come back and talk because one we had an email um, talking yeah, we'll about come at, yeah. that that merger. But yeah, so it's it's one of those interesting things that. Um, there does seem to be a challenge when craft breweries grow to a certain size to keep that growth. And uh, I, I wish I'd um, had these numbers when I was speaking to Martin Dickey last week, which isn't on the show notes, but is it worth uh, follow-up now that everyone's had a chance to, to listen to the Martin Dickey 
interview? Uh, let's yeah, we might throw into that just before we get into the mailbag, if you like. Yeah, because there's a bit of a follow up. Well, just a bit of a follow up because that was one of the things that uh, he didn't really want to answer. Was well, let's let's do it now. Okay, yeah. Since, well, well, since just, you're doing it now. No, well, no. I was just going to sort of talking about how don't hard try, it is. Don't argue in front of the children. Just for, go for, ahead. No, what were you saying, dear? How hard it is for big breweries. Tell me about Martin Dickey. <laughs> how hard it is for big breweries to to continue their growth, um, even when you've got a fairly mainstream brand um, that doesn't actively offend people. Um, it's hard for these bigger breweries to grow. And so my question to Martin was, well, when you've got a brand that is based on being the scrappy outsiders, um, and he pointed to Sierra Nevada. And uh, you know, I sort of said, well, but you guys aren't Sierra Nevada. I can't remember the last time Sierra Nevada actually pissed off half the population um, with their marketing. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't really want to come in at that. But these figures kind of do show that big brands do have a challenge to grow, um, even when they're fair, a little bit anodyne or a little bit when, when they're not edgy. Um, yes. But it was, look, and thank you to everybody that uh, did post in the Facebook group or send me a note or a message or an email just commenting on it. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are expecting it to be like the last Greg Cook interview and cringeworthy, which is the word that most people use uh, about stop that. Stop it, stop <laughs> it. He's dead. But, um, I, I, I did learn a lot from you know. The, the, once you've asked a question three times, it's quite apparent that they're not going. You can ask the same question three times, three different ways. If they're not going to answer it, they're not going to answer it. If you ask it the sixth time, um, and it does just get uncomfortable. So, um, thank you for everyone who said it was a good balanced interview. Hopefully, it was. Um, if you oh, don't, look, and, and just on a personal note, Matt, just for you and I, I think it was really pleasing to see the level of engagement, and I think the Facebook page has really helped. Um, to get that, you know, we, I think we knew people were listening and I think we knew people were kind of getting something out of the, the, the content that we were providing. But to actually physically see it and say, you know, great interview, mate. Oh, I, really, I love the way you did this. It was interesting you said this. You go, okay, people are not just listening and not just, uh, I guess, learning um, and getting that, that deeper understanding of, of, of this industry that we're either, you know, a part of in terms of drawing a, an income from or we've just got an emotional investment in it. It's really great to see that. Um, that response. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as we said, we don't want to make um, the podcast being an inside thing for the Facebook page um, because it's a standalone. You know, it's something that adds to the podcast as opposed to is is the podcast. It's, it's exactly. It's not. A, it's not a, an essential element of it. But if you do like that engagement, if you do like to, I guess, take those. You know, learn a bit more about the stories because we we just don't have time to to deep dive into everything. Um, it's a great way to, to get involved. So jump on. And, the level, um, and congratulations those do, to those who are on the level of discussion because it's very respectful, very, very positive, um, not tearing people down. So, so congratulations to those who are part of it. Thank you for your contribution. Yeah. Uh, now, under the heading of super exciting, happy fun news, um, Stomping Ground is building a second brewery. Yeah, um, and it's probably the industry's worst kept secret. Um, we had a, a story that we were going to go about six weeks ago um, about it, but it, it's one of those things that is always a challenge when you're in a news business. Um, you want to, you know, talk about these things, but at the same time, you don't want to these things. If you go too early on a story, it can have. Implications. Uh, exactly. And look, and uh, exactly the same people. So the guys behind the tap house originally had the second floor of the GPO building in Melbourne. So right in the bang in the centre of Melbourne was going to be, uh, whether it was going to be stomping ground or a second tap house at that at that point. Um, but uh, then Lord Mayor Robert Doyle put the kibosh on that because he didn't want a giant beer barn. Mm. Um, I bet they're 
shit themselves now because it's it's, uh, it's I think it's now H and M or something like that. It's the but it's you know it would have been an absolutely beautiful space. Um, but yeah, we didn't go off on on that because as it you know that fell over at the at the at the last hurdle. Well, and and sometimes also if you go if you launch the news, that can actually spark a reaction that shuts it down, and so you can actually create the problem or create yeah. the awareness yeah. that, that sees people who otherwise wouldn't have cared. Um, It'll be interesting it. to see how fair takes this one because um, for those who know, um, so the corner of Chesterville Road and Cochrane's Road and Moorabbin, um, it's the old Philip Morris cigarette factory. Um, so we're getting rid of fags and we're, and we're replacing it with booze. <laughs> how good's that? <laughs> uh, no, we shouldn't say it's not just that. It's a it's a it's quite a, a, a big development. It's 630 square metres. $100 million uh, Morris Moore redevelopment. Yeah. So I don't know Morris Moore because I don't know it, was, it used to be Philip Morris. Philip I'm sure. Morris, but, yeah. So I don't know whether it's yeah they still own the the dirt maybe or something like that. But it's um, it, the stomping ground, the second stomping ground brewery will be part of a, a bigger development. Uh, so watch this space. Hopefully open by the end of the year. Yeah, and yeah, um, and it, it, it's one of those things. You know, two brothers. I mean, the, the first time I went out to two brothers um, at Morabin. It was so far out of town um, that it was surprising. Well, there was, yeah, there was nothing else as well, Matt. There was nothing else other than industrial. Yep. So there was, you know, there was the sports warehouse. I used to work opposite, um, or sort of just behind where where that is now, to um, a, a warehouse for um, formal wear, and that was all there was. There was just, you know, there was garage door manufacturers, and there were, you know, it was just light industrial and all that sort of thing. But the, you couldn't get a beer anywhere. Mm. Now it's becoming a precinct. Not it's certainly not at Marrickville standards because you can't sort of walk to all of them. But you got um, you'll have two brothers. You'll have there's another one called Lucky Thirteen. Um, there's Fat Bob's, which is really hidden away, but it's a beautiful little uh, burger and uh, you know American dude food kind of thing. And uh, Bob is former advertising guy, so it's all absolutely chock a chock a block with um, neon signage and uh, you know it's brightly lit and it's just sensational and they've got about you know 15 or 16 different um, different beers available there so there's that as well but then not far away you've also got Mr Banks you've got uh, Bad Shepherd you've got Wolf of the Willows uh, who have I missed Dayton that's probably a little bit further but yeah so that, that, look it's going to add to that precinct beautifully and, and and that's always the discussion is it uh you know business killing competition or is it creating a precinct crowd brings a crowd um yeah um you know and so long as everybody's got their point of difference their sustainable niche um it, it actually creates a critical mass that brings more people in as opposed to fighting over um the same number of people growing yeah, growing yeah, yeah. the pie we're growing the pie that's it not just cutting it up into smaller slices. Yes. Um, Matt, let's finish with a quick one. Um, the shower beer is the best <laughs> beer for you, according to science. Now, uh, I've never met Dr. Christopher Hollingsworth of New York City Surgical Associates, but he said the shower beer is actually a great way to improve productivity and creativity. I don't know what you're productively and creatively doing in the shower <laughs> other than having a, a, a well-needed hygienic ablution. But he said showers are a great way to release dopamine. And adding one drink to that can assist your creative juices due to your relaxed mindset. Yeah. I, I, how do you how do you drink shower? Everyone knows. Or for those who don't, I am a well, um, uh, an well outspoken positioned, opponent, an outspoken opponent, a critic, <laughs> if you will, of shower beers. How, how do you do, like? You're in there. You had one job. <laughs> your job is not to be drinking beer while you're doing what else you should be doing in there. And secondly, how do you keep shower water and suds and all that sort of thing out of your suds? 
Mate, Don't tell me, Matt. Oh, because it's okay because we're drinking out of a bottle or a can. Well, <laughs> I'll just stop you there. <laughs> now, we, we, do, do we need to trademark the flog voice? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, see, Prof, I'm, see, I'm on the opposite side of this one because I would be a complete hypocrite because I remember if you go back in my social media feed um, looking for uh, inconsistencies, uh, I have in the past tweeted the best, you know, the, the best beer is a shower beer. Um, but in my I, defense, I'm, happy, I'm happy to concede that it's just me. I just have, I, I can't, I just do not see, yeah, it's not something I've ever thought to do. On a 40 a degree, 90% humidity, uh, Brisbane day when you've mowed the lawn and you're just dripping with sweat and you'll, you know, that, that post lawn mower beer, if you can couple that with the cooling shower, that is ramping your, your, your pleasure up um, and it's not something I do every day I don't wake up I don't come home from work and think gee I really want a beer and a shower but it does have its moments yep all right <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a shit shower shave and an IPA I mean <laughs> where does it end anyway um, Matt let's go into a little bit more uh, detail I guess on not just and look whenever we get into these sort of topics I guess the, the deep dives often uh, come about because the headline you know creates the controversy but it's often the response um, that creates as much of the story uh, as the original action and in this case with uh, Southern Bay backtracking over there uh, social media blunder. And I don't, I don't think we're we posting in the show notes. Everyone's probably seen it now. We're basically equating non-alcoholic beer and, and and calling it gay lemonade. Well, yeah. Which again, and there were. Oh, look, there is a lot to this. I, I guess I've been sitting back and watching. I've just had no interest in Southern Bay because you sit back and look at their social media feed, and it was essentially a stupid meme a day. Um, that you know did nothing to did nothing to celebrate um, you know how awesome beer is. It did nothing to celebrate the creativity of the brewers. It did nothing to celebrate the communal nature of having a beer. It was all a bunch of fifteen-year-old jokes about getting shit-faced. You know, checking out chicks. Um, yeah, giggle, uh, giggles, giggles, and yeah, you know yeah. they they fell foul of ABAC um, earlier in the year. Um, when they posted something, you know, something about drinking six beers, which, you know, as we've talked about, you know, I never personally tweet more than, even if I'm at a tasting or an event, never tweet more than, uh, you know, two or three beers um, in a day because by implication that is binge drinking. And it's just, there is just, you can be accused of promoting um, too much drinking. And so ABAC quite fairly found that it, it, it was an inappropriate post. Um, they could take no action against Southern Bay because Southern Bay wasn't um, signatories to the code. But then in what was their, uh, you know, a, a tone-deaf post then, the business, or um, I should say sort of Nick, who has uh, taken responsibility for all of this, um, doubled down and started sharing the meme to craft beer sites going, what do you all think about this? And he did it by posting the same meme. Look, I think Mariella summed it up really well that just their entire social media strategy was just puerile and pointless and tone deaf. Um, so well, I think there was, all, there was a, and I think Mariella touched on, uh, and Mariella we, we refer to, for those who haven't read the story, um, Made by Moxie, which is a 
digital social media consultancy. Um, consultancy. Um, and I've worked with, with Mariella in the past and she's, she's great people and has a real handle on this sort of stuff. And this is where I guess we've, we've spoken about, you know, brewing is a business and it involves all these different things. And if you're not good at a particular thing or you don't understand how that works, don't try and do electrics yourself if, you, if you're not an electrician. Because <laughs> you can don't, get electrocuted. Exactly. As and, we found and if you out. Don't, yeah, if you don't understand um, uh, how social media should work or how it's evolving, and I, I'm I don't claim to. Um, so if I was if, had a business behind it or a, a brand behind it, I would engage somebody to tell me right, what's my strategy. How do I? How does this work? Is it you know how many is too many or um, you know how does the algorithm work? Um, all of that all sort those, of stuff. All and, those sorts of things. So and I, I, I think it points to they didn't really understand how that tool worked, um, and and everyone else kind of looked at you know you're not using that properly. Uh, it's difficult then, to, I guess, to say, hey, you know, either tone it down or you shouldn't be posting as many or you're just taking memes from the internet and, and reposting them is not, you know, doesn't do your brand any good. Mm. No, nobody's going to do that until you, you know, step over the line uh, as they've done here. And we should point out just as a post note, uh, postscript, in case people are not aware, uh, Nick Warming has resigned his position as CEO as a direct result of um uh, the action that he took. Yeah, but and and, and that's the, I think a good point when you just said if you're going to keep walking along the line, sooner or later you're going to accidentally step over it, um, as as happened here. Um, yep. And you know that, that's why look, just be aware of it and sort of you know be aware of the way that these things are, are seen in public. I, I guess for me, Prof, the other side of it is. Um, and, and it, it, it's always a challenge when a story like this does catch fire um, because there can be an element of dogpiling on it. And there was some genuine, you know, there, there was some outrage expressed on the social media post. It did, um, you know, they deleted it. Um, and even the notes you read out at the start of the article, um, he, I, I think he made a mistake by signing, his, by signing it director. Um, when he issued his apology, because it looked like they were, even though they were owning it, um, no person took hold of it. But Nick very clearly um, owned responsibility for this, knowing that he was the guy that was posting all of those social media uh, memes. You know, he comes across as your inappropriate uncle at the party. Um, you know, at, at the family gathering. Um, if if some of those things he thought were funny, you just cringe a little bit when they're said out loud and. Yeah, but in a, and it, just to that, Matt, but like we were talking before, if, in that context, somebody, probably his, you know, his long-suffering wife or the mother-in-law or, or you know, your mum or whatever, would just take him aside and go, maybe just tone down on the, you know, those those jokes or. And then you go, oh, there's whatever. nothing wrong with it. It's funny. And, 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 <laughs> that's and I, right. I, yeah. I guess that's where I was going with it, because I guess, you know, I'm very conscious that you and I are. Not elderly, but we're older, you know, in what is rapidly becoming a, a young industry, and that gives. Let, let's call it what it is, Matt. We grew up in a time where it was okay to use terms and um, and, and sayings and slang and expressions um, and euphemisms that are not acceptable. Have have become less acceptable or, or, are or not acceptable just, now, and, and probably weren't acceptable. Well, and not probably, but weren't acceptable then. But people just weren't aware of it so you know like the, the the fat kid was the fat kid and you know that was sometimes the teacher um saying that and <laughs> you know I think that and, and that was the thing so when you've got authority figures using that sort of language and 
no matter how progressive you see yourself as and how willing you are to sort of consider alternate points of view, it is very, very hard to unlearn some attitudes and behaviours that were accepted um, at, at, at a certain point. Yep. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I look at this with, um, you know, a, a little bit of, you know, their but for the grace of God go I because, you know, you know, I, as, I, as I've said in, in the past on the podcast, my daughters could face palm for Australia. And I've got two incredible daughters who I don't want to feel in any way limited, um, in any way, you know, marginalized, in any way sort of told that you are lesser. But, you know, I still find myself um, very casually, you know, just sort of saying something like, you know, and I, I mean, they haven't done this for a while, yeah, but you, know, sort of, you throw like a girl or like, you know, like, you know, you, you sort of say, like, you know, you, you throw like a girl or, you know, doing, man you up. do something like, or man up or those sorts of things that are just, again, were the things that your football coach said to you um, when you were growing up and they become ingrained and you actually need to unlearn them. And even with the best intentions of the world, in, with the best intentions in the world, sometimes these things can come out um, inadvertently. And that's why I think sometimes it's called casual sexism because it's not um, malicious, it's not misogyny, it, it, it's just said. Um, mm. There are a whole lot of really well-intentioned people who I, I think are quite progressive but are in this position of having to, you know, of casually saying something or, you know, not thinking or, you know, not even being aware, and it's not said maliciously, that if you suddenly start throwing around terms, calling them out very publicly, very loudly and very angrily, um, using terms like fascist and Nazi and misogynist and um, I'm going to dick punch you if you say that again, which are very, you know, <laughs> in their own way, very aggressive, angry terms. You're not actually taking these people with you. You are isolating them, and I, and you're actually making the industry less inclusive because of um, you know the, you're not acknowledging that sometimes this can be said without malice. It can just be purely out of ignorance. And the last thing that's going to change a person's point of view or educate them and make them less ignorant is calling them out very very publicly in a very angry, uh, ugly way. And and I just sort of see that every now and then happening happening uh, sort of in in the public discussions about these things. Yeah, and look, it, it does I guess also allow the opportunity. And I'll name check uh, Scotty from uh, the Crafty Pine who wrote a I guess a response sort of piece because it does put into perspective you know how uh, words can hurt and how opinions need to change and all those sorts of things. We you know this is an industry where we do celebrate innovation, we celebrate difference, we celebrate diversity. It's all about you know we're, we're, We've moved away from the mundane and the boring. That's 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 why craft exists. So, and part of that is, I guess, you know, bringing creative, different people, all those sorts of things. Um, so, uh, Scott's article, I thought, was 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 really good. Um, it was a surprise to me because I got to the third paragraph or whatever, and I realised, oh, okay, I didn't realise that Scott was gay, and I've spoken to him heaps of times. But there you go. It's just a never come up. Yeah, and, and look, and, and that's what that's worth. Yeah, but but we absolutely we absolutely want the industry to become more inclusive, and we need to change attitudes, um, and we need to have conversations around these things. And sometimes it is these very extreme, or no, it, it's these very public failures that do um, you know educate, and you know are, are the teaching moments um, for one of the better buzzword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that 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 we can all learn from, but yeah, but it's I, I think there is like 
acknowledging that you know there are a whole lot of good people out there who are saying inappropriate, ignorant um, things, not out of malice, but just because there's a whole lot that you need to unlearn. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know, Prof. I, as I said, there's a little bit of there, but for the grace of God, go I. But uh, look, if your puppy shits on the road, you don't send it back to the pound, do you? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I, if you, if you, I, I know what you're saying, Prof. You <laughs> admonish it, at, but, but you forgive it, and then you, we move on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we move on now to a little thing we like to call mailbag. And we should point out, um, actually, it's been an interesting one, Matt. Um, I'm just trying to think. We haven't had the opportunity to seamlessly fold in um, a, a little bit of a, a plug for Rowling's labels and stickers. Well, funnily, funnily enough, um, if, if we're talking mailbag, Prof, I, was, I, I got an email from uh, the, the guys from Lang's Labels and Stickers who sponsor us because they actually listened to the podcast um, and liked it um, and, and saw that they wanted to support it. Um, but last week we mused about, you know, if you wanted to, if you had your can and you had to relabel it because it was, for example, a sour beer when it wasn't originally a sour beer. Um, or or we, perhaps perhaps original label featured a meme that was deemed inappropriate <laughs> and you needed to cover it up, but not, you know, don't throw the baby out do, with the bathwater. Absolutely. Yeah, you could, how, how, how could you possibly, you know, resolve that situation, Matt? Well, and apparently um, Rowling's could help you out in that situation. <laughs> They're shrink sleeves could actually go over the can and cover it um, and, and and maybe save your bacon. Isn't well, technology wonderful? Isn't isn't Rallings wonderful? <laughs> they are. Um, <laughs> did, they, did they call you on their phone or did you pick up your phone and dial 1300 852 235? They called, they actually emailed me, but if I did want to reply to the email, I would call them on 1300 852 Pete. Yeah, to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels or slip sleeves <laughs> done. Uh, and we also do thank Beer Cartel, all our letter writers who uh, – and letter writing includes an email. I don't think – you know, does anyone even write a letter anymore? It's been a long I, time I, since I've got one. I posted some mail yesterday, Matt. Well, what, but that we, was a, a contract that I had to sort of send off and whatever. But I, I would thought, love oh, to I, email the bar blades. Where is the post office? <laughs> I would love to email the bar blades to our correspondence <laughs> prof, but 3D well, re- printing, one day we I, maybe can. Well, one day, one day, I was just thinking that that will work. And they would want to sponsor um, Good Brews Week as well. Uh, but Beer Cartel already do sponsor and have been long-term sponsors um, of this rubbish that we put out every week. And all letter writers will receive a Brews News a bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. And letters can include um, messages on either the Brews News website, the Facebook page, email, um, text, uh, bumping into us at a um, something like Gab Sydney, which uh, and I'll just point out um, the Saturday afternoon session of Gab Sydney 2019 broke the record for attendance. I saw that. That's awesome. That's epic. Yeah, yeah. We got a five star iTunes review from the old man and the soapbox. <laughs> I'm sure not his real name or her real name. Um, now, are you the, the old man that, and I'm the soapbox? A soapbox. So, yeah, it could be. Wherever you are, let us know and um, give us an address so that we can send you out a bar blade, if we haven't already. I've been listening to Matt and Pete from day one. 
So forgive me for waiting so long to post review. And this podcast has evolved over the years from the scrappy newcomer to the preeminent Australian beer podcast. The range of guests for beer as conversation is second to none. And Matt is certainly not afraid to ask tough questions and go where the discussion leads. Brews News Week is also an in-depth but lighthearted and entertaining dissection of the week in beer. Consider this a must-listen for all discerning beer geeks. And non-beer geeks, I'd hope. To yeah, that's, that's like, well, yeah, beer geeks are you know, like punters or booze. It's just like, you know, engaged listeners. Um, do you want to read the next one, Matt, from uh, Scott John? Uh, Scott a- John? A- underscore 20. 20. Yeah. Um, best beer ca- podcast in Australia. Actually, I should say that I, I saw this week that Beer Cartel not only sponsors this podcast, but they've set up a, a com- competing one. They've <laughs> set up their own podcast. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. We, so, well, we might have to sponsor them. We'll, we'll, oh, they're, they're, well, there you we'll go. We'll their just, letter a week, letter of the week, uh, a six-pack of bar blades. <laughs> I've, I've just uh, given them a plug anyway. But uh, so Scott John, a.k.a. Toddy20, um, best beer podcast in Australia, if not the world. I discovered this podcast at the start of the year after Googling best Australian beer podcasts and seeing this come up as a recommendation, and I'm very glad I discovered it. I haven't missed an episode since. Uh, I discovered it, and I'm slowly working my way back through the back catalogue as well, which I thoroughly recommend to any newcomers to the podcast. As a keen craft beer drinker, I find Matt and Pete's roundup of, uh, and discussion of the news keeps me well-informed and amused, and their knowledge of the industry and interviews with key people also allow me to uh, to learn more about the personalities and stories behind the beers I enjoy drinking. I would thoroughly recommend it. So thank you for that. Um, and again, he finishes with, consider me a happy punter. Bingo! Um, and Scott, please uh, email producer at bruisenews.com.au to uh, get your bar blade. Uh, Ed Moore, do the same. Hello, brew crew. Uh, I'm I think not Ed sure. Moore did. I, I think some of our emailers have started automatically posting. Putting their address? Yeah. Oh, terrific. Well, this is good because uh, you and I both uh, followed up on this particular one from Ed. Uh, not sure if you're interested in further discussion on points that you've covered in past shows. <laughs> not like us, not the one of Uh But I thought since it interested me, I'd pass it on. Uh, I listened to John Hole's podcast, Steal This Beer. Hopefully, you, um, Ed, you've got onto that because we suggested it. Um, uh, and in their Memorial Day show, they discussed the Dogfish uh, Boston Beer Buyout and the Brewdog Ad Exec Controversy. Um, Augie, who is the co-host of Steal This Beer, is a brewer who knows the business uh, and had both uh, Cook and Keller Joan on his show. He has a unique, view, a unique view of the situation. He also had a view of the Brewdog issue, Brewdog in general, and a cute idea to clear up the issue. If you haven't heard the show, I can recommend it. Have a great day. Thank you very much for that, Ed. And yes, we did both um, have, have listened to it. I think the best bit that I took out of that, Matt, was um, Augie dis- describing um, when... Uh, Stone started. They, um, you know, they were uh, termed themselves arrogant. They weren't. They were precocious. Um, Brewdog dis- describes themselves as punk. They're not. They're petulant. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it's a really uh, yeah. You he, say tomato. I say tomato. It's he, you know. He, it's interesting well, how no, we look no, at no, ourselves. No. You, you say tomato. <laughs> I sort of say it's a fruit. You stupid clown. Um, but uh, Augie very quickly in that podcast became one of my favourite beer commentators. Um, just, yeah, I, I wish I could dismiss Brewdog um, as succinctly. You know, they make awesome beer. Um, it's just the bullshit that they carry on with. And I just thought he was just so um, deprecating it, of it so quickly. The bit, so, the bit where he said they're about as punk as the Go Go's. <laughs> I don't know whether that was shit canning Brewdog or the Go Go's. Or, or maybe both. But uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I like that. But then also, yeah, it was very interesting um, discussion about the Dogfish Boston beer buyout. And. 
you know, whether it was a takeover, whether it was, there, there's been some really interesting analysis of it. And, uh, you know, I think that they both needed each other and it, it was an interesting lifeline and I don't want to make it go back to brew dog. But one of the things he said was that, um, Dogfish Head took on fifteen percent private equity investment. Um, yeah, from L L L and K or L K L K R um, L K R. I think it is, and always said, including a, a podcast I heard on um, all about beer when I was in Melbourne for Good Beer Week. Um, it was an earlier discussion with Sam about they always wanted to buy back, you know, that money um, or the but buy. They back wanted that to share. yeah. They they needed the fifteen percent investment. Um, for a canning line, because they, you've got to you've got to have cans yep. if, at that size and that sort of thing. Yep. They needed the cash. The idea was uh, instead of um, you know paying interest on the thing, we give you shares. But eventually, LKR wanted no, no. We we now want cash. Yep. And um, we haven't got the cash. What do well, we do? That was his interpretation of it. Yeah. So we yeah. We, we don't know yeah. that, but it was you know there was a um, it, they wanted to to get out, um, and Dogfish Head couldn't buy them out, and so this was a way. And when you look at the way that the deal was structured, um, Sam and his wife uh, got shares in Boston Beer, whereas LKR got the cash component of it. So they were paid out, um, which was a really interesting, it was a really interesting uh, take because I guess in my, going back to the conversation with Martin Dickey, that's what I was trying to um, ask Martin about was, look, you've got this private equity um investor that their shares entitle them to an 18% compounded payout whenever there's a, you know, if, if the business goes out, they get, um, you know, preferenced over anybody else. Um, if there is a IPO, they get preferenced anything else and whatever their investment was, they're getting though, that percentage of shares is getting an 18% compounded um, return. And Martin just didn't want to discuss that at all. Um, but if, if, if you think about 18% compounded a year, that is just a ticking time bomb. Um, you know, Martin can say whatever they want. So, yes, yeah, so I was very interesting to see that that was Augie's insight into dogfish because I think it's an it's going to become an even bigger situation for Brewdog. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, too, it's it's now set a new benchmark in the same way that, you know, uh, crowdfunding or uh, venture capitalists or angel investors was a way of, um, you know, different to just going to the bank and buying uh, buying some debt. Um, this is now, I guess, another way that other breweries might sort of look at, oh, actually, we don't have to maybe sell to the to the big house. Maybe we don't have to become AB InBev um, or Constellation Brands or whoever else. There, there's there's can, now a, a new way of doing it. Maybe so we can the, just yeah. take on some private equity and you know, nothing will change except people <laughs> except don't make the money that they form, you know, that they have private equity to put into investments by doing it for it, it, it's called private equity not private altruism so yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so and I, and I think as with everything as this as, as the wheel turns we do see the implications um, actually that was something that wasn't in our um, talking about the wheels turning you just raised uh, crowdfunding um, in, in there was a great article that Claire wrote with uh, some input from Matthew Curtis last week about we're starting to see in the UK you know, private equity, where it's a little bit further down the line, um, we, we started to see a couple of breweries crater, including one that raised 400,000 pounds late last year um, 
on private equity telling everybody how awesome their business was when the administrators are now telling us that they were in trouble way back in 2017. So, um, yeah, just because it hasn't happened yet in Australia doesn't mean it's not going to happen. No, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can only say if you want more information on that, steal this beer, uh, the Memorial Day show, really good wrap-up, and thank you to Ed for bringing that to our attention. And thank you um, to all our listeners who bring these sorts of things to our attention because uh, they are exactly. our eyes and ears for where our eyes and ears don't get to. And Matt, speaking of our listeners' ears, we've it's fair to say we've given them a fair pelting this week with um, in terms of content, but that's been because there was a lot going on during Good Beer Week, and rather than drip feed it um, out over the next six months, it's all, it's all there. You can pick and choose whatever you want. Um, Adam, um, we need to find out too, uh, Adam Gall or Adam Galley um, on the Facebook page who had listened to the Pink Boots uh, episode of Know Your Worth. And made some really interesting uh, comments, which I shall uh, share with our other listeners now. Just finished listening to this, the podcast. Um, and while it was a very interesting listen, it was amazing to hear the generalised stereotyping of male personality traits. For example, men are, uh, quote, happy to fake it till they make it, happy to talk about themselves, happy to ask for pay rises, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Adam says, from my personal male experience, nothing could be further from the truth, aside from those few super alpha male personalities around. <laughs> read wankers. Brackets, read wankers. <laughs> uh, I don't think that men and women are all that different in this respect. And, and, and this is the sort of thing that um, can open up a real can of worms. And I, I guess this is what I was alluding to when we're talking about Southern Bay. As soon as you... And I don't want to speak for Adam, but I know that there are some discussions that I hear where I sort of think, hold on, when they say this, I'm a male and they're include they're, they're lumping me in with these things. I feel excluded from this conversation or I feel like I'm having a finger pointed at me. And that's what I was picking up from Adam. And I think that's where we need to be really, really careful because I, I having spoken to a lot of women who feel that way, um, and I think... You know, even speaking to uh, Claire and Megan, who uh, our, our writers, you know, it's something that they very much identify with. And yeah, look, I, yeah, I don't, so, so I take Adam's point. Um, but I, it was an interesting uh, viewpoint because I did pick up on a couple of things while I was there while we were recording the chat. Um, we should put Megan hosted that one, so we weren't involved with that. We were sort of doing some other work on the yep. side, but just sort of having a listen, and particularly, you know, when the uh, the Q and A part comes up. Yeah, I think there are sometimes we do make some some assumptions that are, are not necessarily uh, as broad as broadly accepted as, as perhaps people are accepting them as. Um, and I think there are opportunities sometimes. You know, no, there are, there are situations where men will take a different attitude to it. And I I know for a fact that if um if there are ten criteria for a, a job. I, I know from my own experience with women in my circle of friends and family who have said, oh, no, there were two that I didn't, uh, so I didn't apply for the job. Whereas I know there are, I know plenty of blokes who go, yeah, three I'm okay with, two I can bluff my way through. The other, I don't even know what that means, but I'll, I'll work it out somehow mm. um, and we'll still apply. So there's that risk-taking element um, or there's that, you know, your sense of self-worth, which was the whole point of the of, of the discussion of knowing your worth. So I thought it, it did bring up some really interesting uh, comments. And it's good. That, sorry, the podcast brought up some interesting points. And I think it was good that uh, it also then um, brought up some interesting comments and, and responses to it. Yeah. And look, to, to me, it brings up the point that as an employer, you don't sit around, you know, you you speak to, you, to your staff, male and female, and ask them, 
you know, questions and, you know, be aware that not everyone does feel um, okay about asking about those sorts of things. It was a really valuable, important discussion. Let's not get, you know, my feelings are hurt as a bloke that I'm excluded from this conversation. As well. And I don't think that's what Adam no, was doing. Think, no, I don't think that's what Adam was no, saying. No, no, no. But, but, but sometimes you do see very angry responses. But it was a valid um, responses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so from Michael Morgan, team, let's talk about the Pink Boots episode from Good Beer Week. That was such a great listen. So many great messages on how to navigate your career path, approaching bosses and performance reviews. Uh, that panel had so much wisdom in how to just build your brand and awareness of your value. If someone else wants to chip in for flights, let's have that panel in WA next month at the conference. That's uh, yeah. Look, and they're, they're two sides of the same coin. So thank you to Michael and also to Adam for for, for weighing in so constructively on, on that topic. On that, um, well, I guess you don't need to have the panel in WA as much as we'd like to send it over there because you've got the podcast to listen to, and we recommend you go and listen to it. That's right. You can say we've been there, done that. Listen to the podcast. Uh, do we have time for one last? Yeah, Wade Curtis on Facebook. Very surprised at how tolerant you guys were of the Waywood Gabs beer issue. Um, I get that Gabs is experimental, but how can we accept this? The beer may not strictly be infected, but it's contaminated with something that's not supposed to be there. Would the response be different if it was a core range? Do you think it's okay at a cutting-edge restaurant to order a medium-rare steak and get well done? I'm confused now as to what acceptable quality in craft beer is now. So yeah, so, and so I had a bit of back and forth, that was on the Facebook, I had a bit of back and forth with Wade. Um, I, I, I was a little bit surprised he described us as tolerant because I think we separated the Gabs beer issue, the experimental Gabs beer issue thing from, we probably would have taken a different attitude if this was a core range beer that the same thing happened in. Yeah, and I think the discussion made that perfectly clear that that was that was the it, we were separating the two issues because they were two very separate issues. And I, and I think we made a point of the fact that this contamination, the fact that a contamination happened, wasn't a good thing. Ultimately, it was like it, it was a it, it was a something that is added to a lot of beers to get a, a purpose. So, like there was no health you know risk there was no it wasn't that sort of contamination it was just an an inadvertent um and in a lot of ways it was no different from the crown lager um bread issue um they ended up with something different um yeah yeah um you know so maybe it was labeling but given that it was a gabs beer it was acceptable um probably not if it had been one of their core range beers that was the same then you would be wanting a, a recall um but brewers mind your uh uh, you know, QC <laughs> wild yeast, or yeah, you know, yeah. or not not wild yeast, uh, souring yeast because bad things can well, happen. Well, it, it does, yeah, and and it brings into into sharp focus the point we were making last week about the discussion about you know, like if you've got a sour brewery, that's all you do. Don't then try to brew a clean, crisp, you know, subtle lager because that that uh, lactobacillus is going to find its way in, you know. Possibly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but as I say, uh, as a follow-up for those who missed my comments on, I think it was a, on a different, it might have been a different post, uh, but but related to that. Um, yeah, it, I think it was a record for a, a Gabs beer selling out. So there's no such thing as bad publicity, Matt. Um, it, the <laughs> way with Grumpy Donuts uh, collab beer, absolutely. I think it was something like under 90 minutes. Um, it, it sold out at the uh, at the container bar. And I spoke to Pete because we, we had it on our list um, to pour it at Craft Beer College. We ended up changing it because he said, I don't think I'm going to have any left by 2.30 by the time the um, 
the session comes around. Uh, oh, sorry, no, it was the night session, so the 7.30 session or whatever it was. Um, and um, he kicked through the best part of two kegs on the stand as well. So there you go. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I also have to say I had so – um, People were keen to try it. But and I, I don't, had, and I don't know whether that was just to put a point on that, Matt. I don't know whether that was the second round of the same beer, and it was as intended. It wasn't, you know, the contaminated one, or whether it was the leftover, and it was still the, you know, people were trying to see whether they could detect the sour. I don't know. And just on the quality issue, though, I, um, I just by coincidence had a. Um, Red IPA from uh, Waywood yesterday. They'd sent me some a couple of weeks ago. Um, it had been in the fridge for a while. Hadn't gotten around to trying it, and I had it last night, and it was superb. So you know, yeah, I, I, I think I, I don't think it highlights a uh, a broader issue with Waywood, the quality of Waywood's product. Oh no, 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 don't. Yeah, I think look, Sean Blissett is a genius brewer in terms of um, he and Asher Hall, who interestingly, you know, both got their chops. Uh, at uh, now I don't know whether it was Illawarra Brewing Co. at that stage or whether it was still Five Islands or whether it was whatever it was called then. Um, but they've gone on, obviously, to bigger and better things. And the one thing about those two guys that they share in common is that, you know, second best is not good enough. So there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, so thank you very much to all our uh, contributors, whether it's through any of the uh, the various channels and platforms that you can contact us on. As Matt said, uh, producer at brewsnews.com.au uh, if you could whack that on to you know, not necessarily onto an iTunes I don't know if, if you can put it on an iTunes um, review but if you do review us on iTunes thank you very much for that is that going to change now Matt now that iTunes is deed deed and buried uh, I don't think so because it, 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 iTunes and I haven't really caught up on the there's iTunes movies iTunes music and iTunes podcasts so it, it's yeah. still going to be there you'll still get us and uh, judging by the feedback that we got last week most people are getting it through that, actually that was some interesting that feedback was an interesting they, discussion yeah, yeah. Um, just about how they, how they read it but however you uh, listen to us thank you for listening that's it. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, um, actually, bro, bro, one thing, one little factoid I will say is that looking back at over the traffic, um, and traffic continues to grow for the podcast, but uh, the interesting thing was that our, each week this show outrates the Beer is a Conversation show. But then I think over time people do wade back, you know, because th- this is our people want to hear the news, so this is our timely podcast. So people seem to li- our listeners seem to listen to this first, um, and then go back and listen to some of the d- d- discussions later. So oh, there you go. I, yeah, I'd always thought that this was the second secondary podcast, but people actually yeah. do listen to the drivel that we go on with. Well, there you go. And just to follow up, Matt, from last week, so how are we tracking in um, Korea? Are we still number one? <laughs> no, still we, number we, one beer we, podcast in Korea. We, we weren't number one beer podcast. We're in the top thirty food podcasts in Korea. Oh, I, I haven't actually sorry. checked this week. It was just one of those. Emails. I just, I just assume how many other beer podcasts would there be in Korea other than this? I think we're two hundred ninety seventh food podcast in Turkey. Oh, okay. We've got a bit of work to do in Turkey. But aren't they so, dry? Come on out there. As a Muslim country, is Turkey dry? Oh, no, so? I know. I know. Uh, Serife. Serife is um, is Turkish for uh, cheers. Okay. So why would you have a word for, you know, drink up, cheers to your health if they didn't drink? Very good. I'm assuming some of them don't, but, uh, you know, we're not interested in them. Um, We are interested in all of you. Thank you very much for listening. Matt, thank you very much for uh, co-hosting yet again. My pleasure, Prof. Uh, Thank you for letting me come back. Cue the music. And we're out. Do we do music at the end? 
I don't know if I ever listened to the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there's always um, there's always music going out. In yeah. fact, Joe puts the music under the the outro. I think the outro. Yeah. yeah so yeah. hang around, hang around for the end of the podcast, folks, because you never know what's going to happen at the end. There might be another Greg 2011, 2017 <laughs> to listen to. A little little Easter egg. No, we wouldn't do that to you. Now we're definitely out. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. 